allergic itching. How can we improve the life of the dogs and the people that we serve? This week on the Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And once again, we are revisiting one of those super tough topics, and that is allergic dermatitis. It's that time of year again, my friends, where every other patient, it seems like, coming in is itching, keeping their pet parents up all night, and everybody's frustrated. And so we've brought in, once again, a dear friend of this podcast, a board-certified dermatologist tell us what is the latest and the greatest and how to improve the quality of life for our pet patients. But before we get into all of that, as always, I am Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And guys, we are so happy to bring back a friend of this show, Dr. Dana Liska, who is a board-certified dermatologist. And this is one of those sponsored episodes, and we are so grateful to Zoetis for sponsoring this because they are actually trying to help us with the tools that we need to improve our patient care. But a little bit about Dana Liska, and if you haven't listened to her previous podcast, I'm going to encourage you when you're done with today's episode, go back. It was one of our top downloaded podcasts of last year, just loaded with practical advice. I mean, it is really a bit of a master class in allergic dermatitis. So I'm going to refer you to go back and, and check it out. But Dr. Dana Liska, she went to veterinary school at Kansas State University, and then she went all the way across the country to the beautiful state of Florida, where she got her residency and did all of her dermatology board certification stuff at the University of Florida, where she then became a clinical instructor in dermatology. But that wasn't enough for her. She decided to head back west to Texas, where she worked at the Animal Dermatology Referral Clinic, eventually becoming a partner. And she worked there for like nine years, I think. I mean, a long time. And then in September of 2016, she decided, you know what? I want to try to do more. I want to go work somewhere where we're changing the world. And so she landed at Zoetis and is helping them provide better care for the pet patients that we love. So Dr. Dana Liska, thank you so much for joining us again today. Oh, thank you for inviting me again. It's so fun to be back on the podcast with you. You know, I just love your energy, your enthusiasm for this topic. I mean, let's face it, Dana, dermatology, it's frustrating. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. And there's so many people out there who are experiencing the frustration with their own pets. Yeah. And, and that leads us to what I really want to talk about today. And I, and I really appreciate your efforts personally and Zoetis, you know, as far as a, a company, really focusing on quality of life issues. And I think that, you know, look, as a veterinarian, I'm an outcome-driven individual. It's like, there's a problem, I want to solve it. But sometimes we forget that in between all of that, there's a lot of quality of life issues. And so the first thing I'd like to ask you about, uh, Dana, is what are we talking about when we say that the quality of life is negatively impacted you know, with a dog with allergic dermatitis? I mean, it's the dog and the person. It is, absolutely. It's important to think about both the dog and the people that they live with. I mean, a little itch is normal, right? I mean, right. I, for one, love a great back scratch. But if a person <laughs> is watching their dog scratch so much that it's interrupting their activities or causing hair loss or skin damage, well, we know that's not normal and it creates a negative quality of life for, for everyone. I think it's such an important standpoint that we come from in terms of quality of life because, you know, again, like Dr. Ernie said, the, when, when we had you on last time, I, we got so much positive feedback because folks are out there just struggling with what to do with these dogs that, that are just itchy. And again, it's that time of year. 
And we talk about quality of life. And, you know, I get so frustrated because by the time these patients make it into the clinic, so often what the client is saying is, they're driving me crazy. Right, right. And that statement drives me crazy because I'm thinking, how do you think your pet feels? And then you've got the other side where people are just having this like visceral reaction for their dog thinking, oh my gosh, I can't stand to what they, they truly are suffering, right? They're suffering with this constant itchiness. Absolutely suffering. And in the beginning, a lot of these diseases start, I mean, relatively mildly. And with time, they tend to get worse. And we see a lot of people out there who have tried a lot of over-the-counter options that just haven't worked. And as time goes by, the, the suffering just gets worse and worse. Yeah. And Dana, you know, then they go to the internet and they, like you said, they try a lot of different home remedies. And quite frankly, none of them really work when we're talking about most causes of allergic dermatitis, particularly atopy. And, and so they, they're, they come in primed for failure, right? They come in and say, I don't know what you're going to do, but it's probably not going to help. Well, exactly. And so that's our job as veterinarians to recognize that a lot of these owners, and we actually have some market research that shows that owners have tried up to 15 over-the-counter wow. products. Wow. 15, I know. And so we have to recognize as veterinarians that they have tried things at home, things that haven't worked. And so when they end up in our office, it's time to make a difference and it's time to do things that really actually help the itchy dog. And Dana, can we just put to rest the Benadryl myth that diphenhydramine really isn't going to help most of these patients? Can we just go ahead and settle that? I, from a very scientific standpoint of view, I can share with you 10 publications. One of them was just published in 2016 that shows that really they do not help our patients with these acute flares of itch. I know, and I wish they did. And look, you know, over the years, I've, I've you know, discussed things like quercetin and all these other types of, of, you know, home remedies or whatever. But the reality is when they come to my office, I put those things aside. You know, like that might be something on a weekend when you get that late night text or that call. I, I get it. And, and I've all, we've all been there and I certainly have done that. <laughs> but the reality is, Dana, when they're in my office in front of me on that exam table, I think I need to do a lot better. So talk a little bit about some of these newer treatments. And I know that if you haven't listened to that podcast, we really went into a deep dive with Cytopoint and Apical last year. But just, just explain some of these newer treatments that really can help improve quality of life. Absolutely. And, you know, I have to say that during my career, I've seen some really positive changes in the way we diagnose and manage these dogs. And the good news is now we have safe and effective treatments that are available for allergic itch. And the two, of course, I think of are Cytopoint and Apoquel. And just a quick kind of reminder that Apoquel is an oral treatment that has been shown to reduce dog's itch within four hours. Right and provides excellent itch control for 24 hours. I personally recommend reaching for Apoquel First Line because it can reduce itch so very quickly. We also have Cytopoint, which provides fast and sustained relief with a single in-office injection that can last four to eight weeks. Yeah, and again, just as a reminder, if you're not up on the pharmacology and pharmacokinetics of how these things work, I mean, these are not steroids. They're not non-steroidals. I mean, we've really, you guys have created new classes. Uh, I mean, especially with Cytopoint. I mean, these are things that we've never had before in veterinary medicine. It's so amazing to be able to offer this modern medicine for our modern clients. 
Yeah, and, and if you're wondering too about just safety and efficacy, I always I always tell people this is like, you know, you can judge how good a drug is by how quickly they have followers in the marketplace, right? So, and while we don't want to get off into those weeds, Dana, I mean, you know, <laughs> other companies are actively researching and bringing to market very similar drugs to Cytopoint, right? Absolutely, and Dapaquil too. Yeah, right. So, so again, we know that this is solid science. It works, it's safe, uh, and it's highly, highly effective. Yes, you know, it's it's so funny because before these products came out on the market, I can remember at least a dozen clients saying, don't you just have a magic shot? Isn't there right. just a magic shot or a magic pill you can give them to get rid of this? Like, isn't there just a shot? They want it to be that simple. Well, and, and it was, Becky, but it had a, a cost. And so, Dana, I mean, this is where I, I go crazy. And look, I had Dr. Craig Green at University of Georgia, who we all know scares you to death about any corticosteroid usage whatsoever. And there are plenty of times when corticosteroids are just okay, but they're probably not okay in chronic dermatitis, right? Well, it's a, you know, I, the way I look at it is for years as veterinarians, what do we do? We complained, like, I wish we had something better than steroids. <laughs> right. I wish we had something better than steroids. I wish we had something that didn't cause as many side effects as steroids. And now we have those available to us. Okay. So, you know, we, we are all so excited about this. And, and again, we've just seen such positive outcomes. How can treatments like, you know, Cytopoint, for example, provide that noticeable relief? I mean, you're talking about really quickly and really effective, noticeable results. And, and again, we've got quality of life improvements. I love it. So actually, we do have a quality of life study. And it is, again, as we mentioned in the beginning, it is so important for dogs and the people that they live with. And it helps us choose a therapy when we are looking at the both of them as a team. And I do, like you mentioned, I have a great example of a study that illustrates that. Recently, Zoetis conducted a study of 68 dogs with paritis due to atopic dermatitis. And these dogs were treated with Cytopoint monthly for three treatments. And they were re-examined on days 30, 60, and 90. The study looked at four things. One, it looked at owner quality of life. Two, it looked at pet quality of life. Three, owner treatment satisfaction was recorded. And four, owners also filled out a Pridus visual analog score. I'll just call it a PBAS from here forward, which oh, is wow. just a fancy way of saying they recorded their dog's Pridus scores using a standardized scale. So really simple. But what we found from the study is there's a correlation between the reduction of itch, the dog experiences when on Cytopoint, and it correlates with an increased owner's perception of their own personal quality of life. So just to give you the numbers, the study showed that dogs on Cytopoint have a greater reduction of allergic itch, 57% reduction the first week. Wow. Imagine that your dog's itch level is rated high at maybe an eight out of 10 on the scale. And in the first week alone, it drops below four out of 10. That's fabulous. That is amazing. And isn't that amazing? And furthermore, the owner's quality of life more than doubled in that first week. I personally think I have an excellent quality of life, but I'd happily double it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and remember what they're talking about with that last part is they ask the the pet owners, the dog owners in this case, to rate their quality of life. Like, what are you, are you sleeping better? Is your dog annoying you? Is your dog frightening <laughs> you? You know, right? I mean, because a lot of people are concerned and worried about this. And they said that within the first month that their quality, their, their life had improved by twice. I mean, that's, yeah. that was a cool part of the study, I think. In the first week, actually. Oh, sorry. That's yes, right. That's in right. the first week. And by the third month, 
the owners were giving 60% fewer medications than they had been giving before. So that means fewer symptoms to manage, less drugs to medicate or to give to their dog, and a lot less stress for both the pet and the owner. Yeah. And again, if you haven't seen this study, I encourage you to reach out to Zoetis. Uh, Dana, is this online now? Like, you know, because our Zoetis rep uh, provided us with this stuff. You know, um, I understand that it's our, you know, it's our, one of our outcomes research study. And um, certainly I would say reaching out to your Zoetis rep would be the best way to access it. Yes, yeah, so I think you should, because what I love what you did here, Dana, with this particular study, and I know that you were an important part of it, is that you said, okay, look, we got it. You know, the dog, the outcome, the traditional veterinary metric for success, we've got that covered. But let's now take a look at the other end of the leash, which is really often overlooked and ignored. And that that part is super important to me because I know that a happy client is more likely to give me a good recommendation, keep coming back for additional treatments and follow-ups. I mean, I really want to keep them happy. And this study solidly showed that these that people self-reported their quality of life improved after a week of treatment. So I think that's such an important point because what we know is if the client thinks it's working, if the client feels good about it, then the compliance is there. And like, that's such an uphill battle for us when we get a client back in for a recheck and they tell us, oh, you know, it's our favorite go-to. Oh, they haven't had any seizures, so I stopped giving the meds, right? Right. We we are like, are you kidding me? We know that in these cases, when they see this kind of quality and life improvement, then they're going to continue to be compliant. And it builds the trust factor between you and your client, which is so essential for this for this entire long-term relationship you're going to have with them. It, it just seems so important. And it's I'm so grateful that we have something. And then the other thing, you know, that's so important that I think we forget about in the veterinary industry because we do love science. We do love data. We do love numbers. Is it that that's not what our clients love? They want to hear about quality of life. We have to appeal to the empathy factor. We have to get to their heart. And and studies like this do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great tool. But but let's uh, kind of segue from what Becky just said, Dana. So now describing this to the client, I I think I still run into a, a large number of veterinarians who sort of think that this is a one and done, like you just give them this injection or even just, you know, one round of Apoquil and they're, they're done. But what should we be telling pet owners to expect during this treatment course with Cytopoint, for example? Well, I think the most important thing is to make sure that they understand from the beginning, whenever they have a dog that has an allergic dermatitis, whether it's a sensitivity to flea bites or a sensitivity to a certain food, or it's a sensitivity to environmental allergens like weeds, trees, grasses, house dust, those diseases are for life. And as much as we wish we could cure them, we just can't. And so recognizing that that the condition is going to be for there for life and recognizing that there will be flares from time to time, even when we're using these amazing medications that keep their dogs so comfortable. Yeah. One of the things I like, if you haven't checked out their itch tracker, I think that's what you're calling it. Uh, it go to Cytopoint for dogs. And I think it's got the, the new, number four, the numeral four, Cytopoint for dogs.com. Is that right, Dana? Did I get that right? Because that's where the itch tracker is. And so I definitely encourage you, A, to look at it if you're a veterinary technician or veterinarian listening today, but B, then this is something you should share with your clients because that recall, you know, people, they're their frustrations evaporate very quickly when we have a successful outcome. Okay. So suddenly now two weeks down the road, they're like, Oh, I don't know. It wasn't that bad. I mean, he was itching a little bit. Meanwhile, when they actually came in and booked the appointment, they're like, he's itching all night long. I can't (laughs) sleep. He's going crazy. It's driving me crazy. I can't go to work. Um, so we do want to make sure to track it because like, uh, like Dana said, I mean, we don't cure allergies, certainly not with these types of treatments. And I would argue even others 
or, or not as effective as we'd like to think in curing allergic dermatitis. But uh, what, what again? So so when you're talking to that client and you're saying, hey, there might there might be these flare ups. What do you advise them to do when they start to feel like, oh, my dog's itch is coming back? Absolutely. Call your veterinary. <laughs> it's that it's, simple, right? <laughs> it's, it's that simple. It is. It is. And and I guess it's just, again, and I, you know, kind of to expand on what I had shared before, it's just, if you have a flea allergic dog, it's impossible to keep them insulated from flea bites their whole life unless we put them in some sort of a bubble. And that's just not possible. And those dogs that have food allergies, they're tricky. They like to get into the trash. So again, there's just going to be flares from time to time. Right. And, and this leads me to another point that that I know you guys must have seen because I certainly have seen it and it, it's talked about quite a bit amongst my colleagues in clinical practice. And that is that they seem to get a little lazy when we have these amazing treatments. I mean, so what, what advice do you give that veterinarian or that veterinary technician listening today about still discovering the root cause of the problem? I mean, just because we have these amazing products that can get results within a few hours, we still can't ignore lots of other things. Maybe you could talk about that. Isn't that so true? And we call it the diagnostic pathway. And I want to inspire every veterinary practice out there to be a practice that is committed to that diagnostic pathway so that the first time that itchy pit bull puppy comes to their practice and they say, listen, we are a practice that is committed to figuring out why this is happening to your dog. We want to work down this simple diagnostic pathway so that we can figure out what it is. And if we are able to figure out what it is, we're able to make a better long-term plan for your dog. Okay, so I, I agree they need to call their their veterinarian, all this, you know, we need to do our workups and so forth. But I think still there's confusion. And I know I was recently lecturing out in California and this topic came up over and over again. It kind of goes like this. Well, I can't use these these drugs if I'm doing a food trial. Well, you know, I think if it's seasonality, we probably need to wait. None of that really is true. I mean, the, the rules have all changed with these drugs, right? Absolutely. And as you move down the diagnostic pathway, it's important when you institute you know, good, strong scientific flea control that you also provide some sort of itch relief for that pet. Right. Same thing when you do a food trial, start the food trial and start the anti-itch therapy to keep that dog comfortable while you're doing the workup. Right. But I think the confusion still still exists. And I know you've done a good job on this podcast and your lectures and all of your information. But, you know, it, the washout period, like people, we, we still are living by the old steroid rules. And we think that, oh, gosh, if I try a food trial while I'm giving them a steroid, that's just not going to work. Right. But again, you can pull them off of especially you can pull them off Apoquil very quickly. And, and what's the quote unquote washout period that we would expect to see a flare up if it's a food issue? So if I have a patient on a food trial and I'm at the end of that food trial and I'm looking to see if the food is actually helping that patient feel better. And they're I, on Apoquil, right? I and mean, they're on Apoquil, right. absolutely. And I can discontinue the Apoquil. And literally within 24 to 36 to 48 hours, you're absolutely going to know whether right. it's the food keeping the dog comfortable or whether it's simply been the Apoquil that's keeping the dog comfortable. And I know you went into this in our first podcast with you, but I mean, again, I, I just, I, I get frustrated because I had a long discussion with a veterinarian who didn't quite get this concept. So I want you to help me. Um, he basically was saying, no, you know, if you pull them off this drug, it gets worse. So, you know, there's been this discussion about it somehow enhancing or worsening the quote unquote flare ups. So maybe speak around that. 
to me, it makes sense that if we have them on a highly effective anti-itch medication that starts working within four hours and is metabolized very quickly and is basically out of the body in 18 to 24 hours, it makes sense when you discontinue that medication that yes, the dog is going to get itchy again. I don't necessarily see it as a rebound situation. I see it as the allergy is still there. The allergy still needs to be addressed itself. Somehow veterinarians think it worsens or exacerbates, and it's just not true, right? I mean, you know, there's so much confusion around that rebound or, or you know, excessive flare-ups when you pull them off the medication. I mean, explain that again. Again, it is the underlying allergy that has not been managed correctly, so the patient continues to be itchy. So when they come off the medication, it appears that they are still itchy. To me, it it makes sense because it's like, okay, we have our answer. We have not addressed the allergic issue in the environment. And to me, it's like, thank you. Thank you for letting me know we're not there. Get back on the Apoquil and now we're going to address the next. It's almost like when we're doing elimination diets as humans and you can immediately see it. And for me, I wonder sometimes if the feeling of it worsening or the feeling of it being exacerbated doesn't have to do with a sense of desensitization to the actual itching in the beginning because you become so acclimated to constantly seeing your pet itch. And then with the numbers that you talked about, this such a huge reduction in itching on the medication, if maybe when they come off, it feels exacerbated. It feels right. like it's 10 times worse than it was because you had a small time of reprieve. Do you think it's partially in that perception? I think that is such a good point, Becky. And may, and really, pause. I think that's such a good point, Becky, and really comes back to a sense of disappointment potentially right. on the yeah. owner's part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, again, we can't cure these cases. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know how many times we have to say that in veterinary medicine, but we can't cure it. It's going to be a lifelong thing. You can do your best to eliminate it from the, the environment, but this is not a curative process. Allergies are very complicated. Yeah. And I think that's such an important thing to emphasize in the conversation with the clients. Like, like this is not a, a cure to the cause. This is a cure to the symptom. We're able to treat the itching. We may or may not be able to identify that cause. But, you know, outside of, of these amazing products, that, you know, we are really glad to see on the market. I know uh, as a technician, it, it just brought a lot of peace of mind to be able to increase that quality of life. And it's what we've really talked about today is, is the quality of life. It's, it's what we really care about. And there's so much focus on it because poor quality of life, I think, is is part of what leads to the burnout and the depression in our industry when we see poor quality of life. And then there are times we can't do anything about it. And so this is empowering to do it. You know, but outside of these, just as an amazingly well-educated, dedicated dermatologist, do you have other tips for managing, you know, allergic dogs this summer? Like what help our, our vets and techs out there? What are some other things outside of these tips and tricks we've given so far? What can they do for these allergic itchy dogs? Becky, I think, again, it comes back to recognizing the dog and the family and recognizing that they, they all have needs and trying to consider them as a team and what's best for the team. It's important that we continue to impact the bond between the pet and the owner. I don't know if you guys have ever lived with an itchy dog, but in my lifetime, I've lived with four. And right now I live with two. 
And it really is frustrating to see them go through times where they don't want to go on walks or maybe they don't want to play as much as they have been. Um, you know, we, I haven't ever experienced this, but certainly I have clients in the past who have said, you know, I don't want her sleeping with me anymore. Right. And there's a lot of other examples we could come up with. Well, especially when they get oleosa, you know, they have oily discharge from their skin that's inflamed. I mean, they don't want them on the couch. They don't want them on the bed. You know, they don't want them in their car. So, I mean, there's a lot of, of again, these obstacles and barriers to the bond that are created by allergic dermatitis in my experience. It's, you know, I, my girl went through um, a time last year. She's uh, my 12 year old cancer survivor with three legs. The last thing she needs is itching. She doesn't have enough legs to handle it. <laughs> and, you know, um, my husband and I were going to travel. We were going on vacation and I called my pet sitter um, in tears because I was afraid she wouldn't love my dog while I was gone because she was having this issue and she had that oily skin and she had lost a bunch of hair and she looked really terrible. And um, we were working really hard to get on top of this infection, but the, the you know, it, it, it was one that was going to take a long time to clear up. And I called her and I was just scared. She was going to think my dog was gross and wouldn't love her. And, <laughs> right. you know, as a, as a professional, um, I was a parent in that moment and, and I've been very vulnerable on this podcast about what a terrible, um, helicopter mom I am. And it was really hard for me. And I think about that with my clients. I think about the concern that I don't ever want them to not want to hug or love or kiss their dog because they're yucky. Oh, Becky, I I'll go one better. I've got a client who, who wouldn't take their dog out for walks around the neighborhood. She wouldn't walk the dog because she was embarrassed. The dog had this chronic atopic condition. And I mean, it, Dana didn't look great, right? And, you know, she was kind of hit or miss with her treatment and so forth. And I was always reticent to put it on steroids for additional weight gain. This dog already was suffering from obesity. So again, she was embarrassed. Have you seen cases like that, Dana? Oh, absolutely. I've had clients complain of having those same feelings of just feeling ashamed that they felt like they were a bad parent when in fact they were in my office doing everything they could for their dog. Right, right. Well, one final thing I want to touch on before we, I know you have to go, um, but it is the follow-up visits. I have spoken to so many veterinarians and look, Cytopoint and Apical are so effective that they just kind of are like viewing it as a one and done. And, and look, Cytopoint will last, you know, up to two months, but we really need to make sure we do that follow-up. Maybe give us again, some recommendations around when those follow-ups with Cytopoint and Apical should occur and what we should be doing during that follow-up. Well, we recognize Cytopoint lasts for four to eight weeks. Zoetis recommends that you should have the dog and the pet owner come back at four weeks post-injection for a progress exam. This is what I recommend when I was in practice too. It's a good idea to take that time to review how the dog is doing on Cytopoint to get the most from treatment. You can discuss if any itch was present over the past weeks, how severe it was, and how often it was happening. You can then determine the best timing of the injections to give the dog effective, long-lasting relief. Hey, can I ask you, uh, I do this with everybody from industry, anything just around the corner that you want to tell us about? Any secrets? I think, oh, I see. Just between us. So <laughs> well, I think it is an exciting time to be at Zoetis. And I, we are just committed to continuing to improve the health of dogs and cats and the quality of life that they're experiencing and really keeping in mind the people that they live with also and how important their quality of life is. Yeah, I will tell you, very few companies are looking at it the way you guys are looking at it. I really appreciate you spending time with us today. Dr. Dana Liska, dermatologist with Zoetis. Uh, again, 
This is all about quality of life. So if you're out there and you're frustrated with dermatological cases, definitely talk to your Zoetis rep or go online and find out more. That website that I mentioned to you is called Cytopoint4Dogs.com. That's Cytopoint number four dogs.com and they have an amazing cool thing that i think you should share with your clients it's called the itch tracker i think it has a lot of utility in private practice what do you guys do for your allergic dogs in practice what have your experiences been with cytopoint and apical do you have amazing before and after pictures to show us we want to hear all about it we're so grateful for the advances that there have been in veterinary medicine to help these pets to increase the human animal bond and to increase the quality of life for our patients so we want to hear what you're out there doing Doing. Yep, you can reach us on Facebook at the Veterinary Viewfinder, on Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder, and on Twitter if you're still out there at VetViewfinder.com. We want to hear from you. This podcast is sponsored by Zoetis, the makers of treatments including Apical and Cytopoint. Do not use Apical in dogs less than 12 months of age or those with serious infections. Apical may increase the chances of developing serious infections and may cause existing parasitic skin infestations or pre existing cancers to get worse. Apical has not been tested in dogs receiving some medications, including some commonly used to treat skin conditions, such as corticosteroids and cyclosporin. Do not use in breeding, pregnant, or lactating dogs. Most common side effects are vomiting and diarrhea. Apical has been used safely with many common medications, including parasiticides, antibiotics, and vaccines. For more information, please see the full prescribing information at apical.com. Cytopoint has been shown to be effective for the treatment of dogs against allergic dermatitis and atopic dermatitis. Zoetis is dedicated to changing the way we approach canine puritis to protect the bonds that matter most. You can visit them at thescienceofstrongerbonds.com for more. Thank you and goodbye. Bye. 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 